And when we speak, we are afraid our words will not be heard nor welcomed. But when we are silent, we are still afraid. So it is better to speak, remembering we were never meant to survive. Welcome to Better to Speak, the podcast, where we use storytelling to transform silence into language and action. I'm your host, Casey Felton. To celebrate International Podcast Day, we're doing this week's episode a whole day early. If you know me, you know I'll be struggling the day the episode is supposed to be out in between my classes to get this content up, but I thought we'd spice it up just a little bit before I see the finale next week. I won't say I'm sad about the season ending, but I have enjoyed working on these episodes every week for y'all, so I will miss it. Nonetheless, Better to Speak, the podcast will be back in 2021 with more guests to dive into more sociopolitical topics. In the interim, we'll be putting out another project, a zine that explores the history and legacy of Black civic engagement. And shameless plug, if you'd like to donate to support that project, anything is super appreciated. You can find the link in the description of whatever podcasting platform you're listening on, and it should say support this podcast, and you can follow that link to make your donation there. Moving along, one of the many contested moments that we saw last night at the first presidential debate, aka the Real Housewives of Pennsylvania Avenue, was when 45 refused to condemn white supremacy when asked by moderator Chris Wallace. While I won't contribute to the both-sidedism that many journalists and news organizations are reporting, I will say that we saw a perfect example of what Dr. Ibram Kendi means when he says that one is either racist or anti-racist. Dr. Kendi is credited with conceptualizing the term anti-racism in his book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, and founding the Anti-Racism Research and Policy Center at American University. On the meaning of anti-racism, Kendi writes, The opposite of racist isn't not racist, it is anti-racist. One endorses either the idea of a racial hierarchy as a racist or racial equality as an anti-racist. One either believes problems are rooted in groups of people as a racist or confronts racial inequities as an anti-racist. There is no in-between safe space of not racist. The claim of not racist neutrality is a mask for racism. With that in mind, we all know 45 is a racist white supremacist who's supported by other racist white supremacists. But as for Joe Biden, while in his words he isn't 45, I can't sit up here and act like he's this shining example of the other side of that ideology. During the debate, he doubled down on his support of police in spite of ongoing protests to defund and abolish them. Despite a selection of Kamala Harris as his VP pick, making her the first black woman to be selected for the position, as well as his commitment to select a black woman to serve on the Supreme Court should he win, which now seems doubtful given the recent nomination of Amy Coney Barrett, Biden's history has not illustrated a genuine commitment to black folks' liberation. It has not been truly indicative of what it means to be anti-racist. To further explore the concept of anti-racism, I spoke with Christine Platt, who is currently the Interim Managing Director at American's Anti-Racism Center. You may remember her because she was the first interview I did when I was exploring the idea of starting this podcast last year. She previously worked at the center back when it was led by Dr. Kendi, who has since left American to start the Center for Anti-Racist Research at Boston University. Since returning to AU, Christine and her colleague, Dr. Malini Ranganathan, who serves as the Interim Faculty Director, have put on a host of events to engage community members in important discussions about anti-racism. You can find links to the Center's website and social media pages in the show notes, along with additional resources to learn more about how you can become an anti-racist. I am now back at the um, AU Anti-Racism Center. Um, once Dr. Ibram Kendi um, departed over the summer, 
um, to, to found a new center at Boston University. AU asked me to come back and um, serve in an interim capacity just to, um, you know, get us, get us up and running again and, and um, getting ready um, to prepare for a new executive um, director. And that search um, actually began this week. So really, really excited about that. The job announcement um, went out this week and um, we've, we've kind of hit the ground running. You know, we're, we're doing a lot of rebuilding and reestablishing of relationships and trust and then also rebranding um, the center which will whenever the new ed is um, is is selected and begins of course you know his or her full agenda will um, will will definitely be a part of that rebranding but just trying to really position the center as, as a space, um, you know, that, that focuses a lot on um, AU's campus and some of the challenges that they're having, um, the DC community at large, right? And so really wanting to fix and, and work on the problems that we have at home before we <laughs> sort of extend to, to more of a national level. Um, and so that's a big part of our rebranding right now. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if you know, we had, we hosted um, the Empowering Educators um, convening, and that was on August 19th. It was phenomenal. We had over 13,000 people <laughs> registered to attend, um, which was just, it just blew our minds. Um, it's, it's just been wonderful. So that's been really big, um, empowering educators and also families and, and, um, and, and just teaching professionals in general to have conversations about race and racism. Um, currently, actually, as, as we are having our conversation, Dr. Bettina Love is in conversation um, with um, the AU community as part of the SIS and um, Anti-Racism Center there. We're hosting a, a number of anti-racism um, conversations um, as part of a series. And so that's happening right now. We have a Nourishing Black Futures um, just panel discussion that is happening next week. I mean, so we've just been like really trying to um, keep the public informed and engaged during this um, very tumultuous and unprecedented moment in history, um, given the, the racial reckoning that is happening in the midst of a pandemic. Um, and so, yeah, that's what we're, you know, really trying to do is just, um, you know, try and help folks as much as we can. Accessibility is a big thing. And so um, all of our events thus far have been free um, and we'd really, we really hope to keep it that way to make it, to make it accessible to as many people as possible. That's great. Um, you mentioned like the, the context of, you know, this work happening in the middle of this racial reckoning that's going on as well as the pandemic. So can you talk about um, maybe like what, what has been the difference between when you were at the center before and maybe now and, and how people are receiving it, how people are engaging with um, you all's work? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think before there was, there was always interest in the Anti-Racism Center. Um, I think, you know, a, a large part of that interest was of course due to Dr. Um, Dr. Kendi being, being at the center. Um, and, and they definitely did, under, under his helm, there was definitely more outward facing work as, as opposed to inward. Um, I think now in, in, you know, just in this, this time that we're in, I mean, we, 
receive messages from people all over the world, <laughs> you know, who have interest and want to help. Um, definitely a renewed interest um, and, and support from the AU community um, and, and organizations within uh, the DC community. We, you know, partnering with Eaton Hotel on doing a series of like art installations. It's just, it's, 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 this renewed, I wouldn't even say renewed because we didn't have this level of just like wanting to collaborate, you know, that type of support before. Um, and so that's definitely been something that's very new. Um, and, you know, I think the hardest part though is that we get a number of inquiries from, um, from the public and even from, from um, folks on campus regarding just challenges that they're having. And unfortunately, we are not, um, you know, we're not at liberty to give personal advice or to give legal advice and legal counsel. So I think that's the hardest part is seeing um, a surge in those types of requests and, and not really um, being able to help in that way because that's not the focus in charge of the center. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a really tough time for our country um, and for the world watching what's happening in our country. And so, hopefully, um, you know, some of the events that we're doing, some of the um, talks and things that we have planned, will be able to help people in 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 some respect. Um, so yeah, that's it's it. We've definitely seen a surge. I mean, my my inbox is flooded, um, as is um, Malini, the, um, the interim faculty director, and even some of our faculty faculty affiliates. And so, yeah, hopefully we can get this a, a new ED in here <laughs> who, can, who can really, you know, start to do the work work, I would say, of the center in terms of like research and putting out um, information and documents that can be helpful to the public. Um, um, because that's just not what, you know, a, that's not what we've been tasked to do right now. And it's not, it's not something that we also have the bandwidth to do. Mm -hmm. um, and so hopefully getting a new ED in here with a mission that is um, more focused on community and more inward facing right now, rather than outward facing to focus on some of our more pressing local issues and concerns would be wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you mentioned the um, that you know the work of providing people with resources on a personal level isn't the, isn't what you guys were tasked to do. So can you speak on um, the specific? You know, you mentioned research, but like the specific kind of work at the center. Yeah. Happen. So what's what's so interesting is that the interim team, like <laughs> really the only thing that we've been tasked to do, is to um, make sure that we get a new ED in <laughs> who. Um, you know, who, who, can, who can really help elevate and advance the work of the center. Um, and so even some of the programming that we're doing, that is not a part of, our, of, of what we've been tasked to do, right? Um, that is more of a, I guess, of a, a personal way for us to really engage and start to build and reestablish trust in the community and educate. Um, the community on certain issues. Um, but yeah, like right now, it, it literally like making sure that our social media is is going, making sure, um, you know, getting this job announcement out, building up our faculty affiliates. Um, uh, I'm personally working on a few 
student internship um, opportunities, right? Like those sorts of things are really what, what we can do. So when I say like what we've been tasked to do and what we, um, what we just legally are, are unable to do, right? Right. Legally, we just cannot provide um, legal assistance or advice. Um, legally, we're unable to comment on personal situations, you know, so it's, you know, those, those sorts of things are difficult because I think people hear the name, you know, AU Anti-Racism Center and they think, oh, I've been discriminated against. And so that's where, you know, that's, that's where I need to go. They're going to help me. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's the other thing, making, making very clear when the new ED comes on, what is the mission and focus, the new mission and focus of of the center um, is going to be a really, really big, um, a really big part of their role, really big part of their role. So yeah, that's, it's been a lot. <laughs> it's been a lot, but I, you know, I, 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 I can speak for me and my, and my colleagues. I mean, even in the midst of everything that's going on, even in, you know, the midst of having, you know, just our schedules are be beyond belief. We are so grateful. Um, and excited to to provide whatever we can to people who are searching and looking right and so you know even sometimes when I get those requests that I know I'm not um, able to or, or legally should not be <laughs> you know providing guidance or assistance to you know I, I try and frame it in a way you know I'm very apologetic about it and maybe you know pointing them in the direction of um, you know, an organization or even, um, you know, like a Title IX office or so, someone who, who has been tasked and who can help them in that area. Um, but I think that's going to be, you know, really the next step for the center is to decide are, you know, are we focused on um, providing support to the AU community or are we focused on providing support um, beyond beyond the walls of our campus so it's gonna be interesting it's gonna be an interesting year and i look up and i'm like wow i mean it's it's less than a year away when whenever this new ed will be starting so we'll have those answers soon have those answers sooner rather than later and speaking of the um education piece of it i know we in the past couple of months like the the word anti-racism has kind of been this like you know new word that's in um like national dialogue of course with um, dr kenny's book as well um, so can you speak on what exactly like anti-racism is and like how how does that fit into you know the conversations that people should be having or maybe the work that people should be doing now yeah i mean i you know i i think it's such a it's such a tricky word and and this work has uh you know the the verbiage and acronyms and all these things they <laughs> continue to evolve over time, I mean, essentially what we're, you know, what we want people to do is, is be good human beings, right? <laughs> and, and respect each other and um, call out injustice when they see it, challenge injustice when they see it, right? Um, I think in terms of anti-racism work as like policy work, like that's a very different sort of um sort of space and and more of a more of an academic space right but i i think for the general public i mean you know looking at anti-racism as a um as an action and not really as a title right so you have people saying i want to be anti-racist right and it's like uh, it's kind of a 
kind of an action, <laughs> right? That you need to be engaged in, not a title that, that you should be looking to, to acquire. Um, you know, and so def, you know, a working definition is, is really just like, you know, anti-racism or an anti-racist is, is anyone who opposes um, policies or actions or, um, you know, I don't even want to say situations, but policies are actions that are racist in nature and they, and they, you know, challenge that, right. And push back against that. But again, it's, it's really, I mean, it's social justice work, right. It's, um, it's, it's, it's community work. It's you, it's the work of humanity, right. It's, it's to bring equality, um, to all of those areas where there has been, um, just injustice and inequity for so long you know and one of the most interesting things that i've seen like um in the past couple of months with protests and this racial reckoning that um is happening in our country and around the world is that i feel like white people are more involved and they're more you know taking the stand and trying to you know heal and do whatever you know personal work on um on their end so mm -hmm. could you speak to what um anti-racism work would look like you know maybe for white people versus people of color yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's so interesting. I feel that, um, you know, obviously, there's a lot of visibility. <laughs> um, and, and we have, the, we have the world's attention because everything is virtual now, right? And so a lot of people who were able to ignore some of the um, blatant <laughs> forms of racism and discrimination in this country have, you know, are no longer able to do that. And so I think what you're seeing on the part of a lot of white people is really trying to educate themselves more on, on what's happening, right? Um, you know, those seem to be sort of the questions that I get and things that I see online. Um, and also, you know, how can I help, right? Like, how can I help? How can I help? And I mean, a number of black scholars have, have always said like, I mean, racism is a white people issue. Like y'all need to be solving that. That's not, <laughs> that's not for us to solve, right? And so, um, you know, I, I think that's what you're seeing is this push um, that's, that's like, you know, I, I need to fully understand what's happening. You know, you, you see a lot of um, acknowledgement that, um, you know, I have, you know, I'm, I'm being honest, I've, I've ignored this for so long, or I've been in denial about this for so long. And then um, when it comes to, you know, this, how can I help? How can I do the work? I mean, one of the things that I always say is, I mean, start at home, right? And so I think people feel like they need this big platform, or they need a certain number of followers, or they need a title, like managing director, right? And it's like, no, like, the most important work that you can do it starts at home. Start in your family, right? So you start in your home, then you start in your extended family, then you branch out into your community, right? Um, and so I, I don't, I don't um, like to encourage people to feel like they have to take some, take on some big charge, right? I mean, starting, starting, um, starting with those who are closest to you is is the best work that you can do, and starting with yourself, really, right? And so really. Um, encouraging people to yeah you know part of that whole quote do the work which is also another sort of phrase or acronym that has that has been overused i would say like anti-racism but part of part of that work is personal work right and like doing the inner work before you can do the outer work um 
And so, yeah, I think that's what we're, that's what we're seeing. I think black people, the majority of black people, obviously I would never speak of us as a monolith, but you know, the majority of black folks have, have long since known and acknowledged and experienced, you know, a lot of what some people in this country are just now acknowledging is, you know, is a real problem. And so I think for us, um, you know, I, I like to, you know, as a, even as a black woman who, who is, you know, constantly um, bombarded with, um, you know, images in social media, my emails, this, that, right? Like, I think some of the biggest work we can do for ourselves is to, um, to check in with ourselves and take care of ourselves, right? I think our mental health right now is, is at great risk um, during this time. Um, you know, a lot of people are very stressed, a lot of people are very anxious, right? And so um, in terms of the work <laughs> that we need to do, um, I think, you know, the biggest part of our work right now is, is really taking care of ourselves and especially our mental health in this, in this challenge, because it weighs on you, right? You have, you know, I've, I've heard from, um, you know, folks who are senior leaders within their organizations who are, you know, frustrated saying like, they want me to lead a, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion workshop for our entire organization because I'm black. That means I can speak to it. And, you know, and because I'm black, it means I should take on that burden, that emotional labor. Right. And so just being very mindful, I think of, of, of what you want to do, what you can do, you know, protecting your energy, all of those things are so, so important for black folks right now. And um, speaking of social media as well, that's one thing that you mentioned, like, of course, we're in this virtual world because of, of COVID-19, like how, um, I was reading a report from Pew saying that like, you know, support of Black Lives Matter has gone down over the past couple of months. And, you know, you see like the, the Black Square thing on Instagram and people posting and all these different yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Like, how do we make these conversations like sustainable and take them offline? You mentioned personal work, but you know, social media doesn't last forever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> I have to be mindful of what I say in my, in, since I'm speaking in my role as, as, as the center, you know, but <laughs> let's just say that, you know, when, when I saw a lot of that, all the social media, you know, flurries, and I was, you know, I gave it the side eye, right? I mean, you know, we, you know, it's, it's white enthusiasm and white enthusiasm um, can be dangerous, right? Um, it's, it's, it's momentary. It is, um, it is problematic in a sense that, um, you know, folks feel as if they're doing something because they are posting, right? Um, but, you know, we all know, I mean, posts don't save lives, right? Posts don't, um, bring about policy change. Posts don't, you know what I'm saying? And so it's like, um, you know, getting people to understand and move beyond this idea that they are doing work <laughs> because they posted about something. It is, it can be a part of your work and it can be a part of your platform, right? But it, it's, it's not enough and it's not sustainable enough um, to really bring about the change that I, I think a lot of people were hopeful that they were going, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, you know, all these, have all these new white followers and they're supporting my work and, you know, everyone's posting these black squares. And I was like, mm -hmm. 
okay. <laughs> right. And, 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 you know, we saw very quickly it, 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 it's tapered off. Right. Even, even some of the folks who have, you know, follow, I just like see the numbers when I was like, bye. Right. I knew they weren't here to stay. Right. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think we have to be very careful with, with social media as a platform. What, what we do have though, um, is the opportunity now to, you know, have virtual meetings and virtual convenings like we, like we had on August 19th and some of the panel discussions and stuff that we have coming up. When I think of sort of the benefits of, of this time, you know, it, it's the idea that, oh my gosh, I can have a convening with 13,000 people who are interested in hearing and learning um, about what we have to say. Um, and that's something that is like, that would not have happened if, if not for the pandemic, right? Like, how would we even get that organized? How would we have all these people in our, you know, like there's all these different logistics. And so um, I've been encouraging people to sort of think about, um, it, it's, it is difficult to not <laughs> focus on some of the challenges that we're having right now, but some of the benefits as well, which is we have the opportunity to have more eyes and ears on our work um, than ever before. And that's not just anti-racism work, that's all work, right? Um, and so to really try and take advantage, advantage of that. But yeah, um, yeah, I struggle. I struggle with, I struggle with social media. I struggle with social media enthusiasm, uh, um, you know, and all of these sort of very trendy, performative, you know, approaches to, to trying to bring about change, right? Um, and we, we, those of us who've been doing this work for a very long time, we know that that sort of push is just not sustainable. And so um, I just really want to get people to under, you know, understand and acknowledge that. I'm not saying don't post, right? I'm just saying, like, understand that your post may not be bringing about um, the change change or, you know, educating people in the way that, that you think it is because <laughs> they scroll and they move on, right? Mm -hmm. And my last question is, you touched on this earlier, but like what programs does the, um, the center have coming up and what other ways can people get um, involved in this, in this work? Yeah, so um, I would love for folks to visit the center's um, website. You can just find us right on AU. You can Google AU Anti-Racism Center and we will come up. Um, we have a number of um, uh, opportunities that are coming up that are going to be uh, open to the public. Like I said, um, we opened up Bettina, a few seats um, for the Bettina Love event today. We have the Nourishing Black Futures panel um, that will be coming up. We have um, um, public engagement again with Eaton doing um, art installations. We're going to do some contests. We're going to do some really fun stuff. Some of that is for the AU community and some of that will be for the larger community. Um, Ijoma Olowu is coming um, to speak. Um, yeah, I think having, I think visiting our website and kind of like seeing all of the different things that are coming and we're adding to that every day. Um, and again, just trying to be, um, you know, just, just as helpful as possible. I would say to, to, to the, to the public and in, in terms of just, you know, bringing about awareness, educating, looking at the many different intersections of anti-racism work, right? We have a number of anti-racism scholars at AU and, and really pulling them into 
um, the conversations that we're having, um, you know, a number of them have, have been designated as faculty affiliates, which you can also see on our website. You'll see all of their names listed in their respective areas. Um, and so, yeah, that's, I think that's the best way to find out about our, find out out about our work and, and things that are coming up and um, we will continue to you know add different topic areas um, to to some of the events and and offerings that we're having and then of course uh, in in 2021 we will have a new ed so stay tuned and see what their mission is um, and vision is for the center which is which is very exciting um, you know there are going to be a number of social justice institutes and centers and anti-racism centers that are, that are being um, formed on college campuses. And so this is, you know, this is a, a definitely a, a, a new moment in history. And so hopefully um, all of us can just sort of work collectively to bring about, you know, the change that we wish to see. So that's my hope anyway. <laughs> That's it for this episode. You can find us on social media at better to speak underscore or on our website, bettertospeak.org. If you want to sponsor an episode and support Better to Speak, you can find the link to donate in the description of whatever podcasting platform you're listening on. Be sure to tune in to future episodes where we'll dive into various sociopolitical topics with the goal of transforming silence into language and action. Once again, I'm your host, Casey Felton. Thank you for listening.